After filing for bankruptcy earlier this month, JCPenney has garnered interest from an unexpected source. Meanwhile, apparel stores in the U.S. are reopening while shops in the U.K. stand by for June 1st. And this just in, Walmart released its first quarterly earnings report last week. Its e-commerce rose 74% year-over-year. Same-store sales increased by 10%. We've got the scoop and more on today's episode. It's Monday, May 25th, and this is your Retail Rundown. Today, we're joined by guests David Lemley and Shilpa Rao. David is the president and chief strategist of Retail Voodoo, where he has worked with top brands like Tropicana, Pampers, Starbucks, Sears, and Nintendo. Shilpa is the head of AI-powered strategic initiatives at Tata Consultancy Services, where she has driven multi-billion dollar uplift in sales and margin for leading global Fortune 500 companies in merchandising and supply chain. David, Shilpa, thank you both for joining the show today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, very excited to be here. Thank you. I'm excited for you guys to join. The first bit of news we'll go over is American Department Store. And the latest slogan they had is, when it fits, you feel it. So if you guessed JCPenney, you would be correct. It's making huge headlines this month as it's now filing for bankruptcy after four consecutive years of sales decline. Just last week, Penny's outlined its plan to return from bankruptcy as a sustainable and financially sound business for the long term, which includes closing nearly 30% of its stores and spinning off its real estate as a separate publicly traded investment trust. Penny said in a release that other action items will include reestablishing the fundamentals of retail, re-envisioning its merchandise offerings, and rolling out new innovations. Multiple sources are reporting that Amazon has been in talks with the 118-year-old retailer and may be interested in a possible acquisition. Those reports, however, have yet to be confirmed by Amazon. Retail consultant Steve Dennis wrote an article in Forbes last week stating, quote, the key to JCPenney's survival isn't clothing stores. It's becoming relevant, unquote. Shilpa, do you agree that part of Penny's decline is attached to the notion that the brand just no longer appeals to today's customers, or is it something else? Sure. So uh, when you look at uh, fashion or apparel retail, what happens is that if you don't get a season right, you are kind of remaining with a lot of inventory that you need to get rid of. When you don't get like a couple of seasons, right, then this inventory kind of just piles up and your open to buy has shrink uh, so much that you don't have uh, enough budget to kind of take risk and uh, do a lot of innovation and, you know, try out things. So that's where the problem lies. So once there are a couple of seasons uh, which had gone not so well for JCPenney, the entire focus kind of moved on how do I get rid of that inventory? And then the focus of merchandising went on how do I like open up my open to buy? So it is kind of a vicious cycle, uh, which tends to happen to many apparel and fashion uh, kind of retailers. And I think that's where the problems uh, start. And also, uh, you know, the limited investment, uh, both in time and technology and others, in terms of understanding the customer and then imbibing those insights into your merchandising processes. So uh, right from when you are starting uh, at the concept level in your you know, concept to trade cycle, uh, if you don't get what is the probability of that particular merchandise uh, being successful down to a store item level or a style skew level, it becomes so very difficult to identify what's going wrong, where is it not working. 
सो टू दिस पॉइंट आई एग्री दैट देर इज अ परसेप्शन वेयर जैसे पेनी इज बीन सीन एज अ रिटेलर विच इज नॉट रियली गेटिंग द कस्टमर राइट स्पेसिफिकली प्राइस सेंसिटिव मिडल एज एंड ओल्डर वुमेन सेगमेंट एंड देव लाइक फोकस्ड मोर ऑन द मिलेनियल्स so getting that uh, mix right is essential and i think you know that's where uh, some of these challenges come in from david what are your thoughts on this oh, well i agree with uh, so much of what you've said i think that jc penny's problems began before 2012 before ron johnson and the ceo from apple coming in to reinvent jc penny i think that they were already in trouble from lack of investment and lack of understanding the customer and frankly an unwillingness to invest in customer experience at the store level from mm-hmm. employee training to lighting to merchandising mix and i think that the headlines have been saying jc penny is going to go out of business or may not recover for a decade now and so i think it comes down to exactly what you're saying but it's an ideology i think that they as an organization do not want to invest in deeply understanding their customer and creating an experience that would be relevant to them and they've opened the door for places like Amazon Basics and for Walmart fashion and and every other retailer that could provide a discount fast fashion alternative is now much more relevant and i think it will be difficult for them to get it back mhm it sounds like david you and shilpa were are on the same page a little bit in their lack of investment and in innovation and shilpa said their inventory dried up and they experienced some shrink and they had no budget really to invest and they probably lacked that and david you said the same thing lack of investment and in understanding the customer and really innovating on that experience in store There was an interesting post on LinkedIn. It was trending from CNBC retail reporter Lauren Thomas, and one of the comments I thought was very interesting on this post. It got 15 upvotes, and it's from Don Greger, and he said that, you know, JCPenney's investors are using the real estate investment trust to basically cash out twice. What do you guys think about that? They have a good investment in real estate, so I think about 300 odd stores they have uh, in good locality which are their own locations out of like about 800 plus locations that they have and i think they have also invested very well on from a facility and a fulfillment center perspective so from that perspective they have uh, that assets uh, which they can fall back on when they are uh, in you know times of trouble now it is uh, the matter of how do you reinvest that into the business into things which matter because uh, there are two major parts that they need to focus on one is on the customer experience side uh, getting it right and as david also mentioned i mean like small things including the lighting in the store and the whole experience what the customer goes through in the store and uh, given the current times uh, again we have to really evaluate the uh, relevance of stores uh, during these times so how they kind of invest wisely in that uh, becomes uh, relevant and then second on uh, the merchandising and the online strategy so how do you kind of focus on the innovation getting to the right segment and right customer becomes important so i would say that they have a lot of assets which they can probably cash out and reinvest in their core business mm-hmm. okay so you sound like you have a bit more of a positive outlook that it might it might turn around a little bit for them you know they need more funding and investment to get uh, a lot of the things that they are planned to to just execute mhm And David, did you want to add anything on that topic? Before we go to the Amazon thing, the the thing that I would talk about is um 
I did work with Sears before their debacle, after Eddie Lampert purchased it. And what I think their, the JCPenney real estate play is, is lifting from that playbook. They are, in fact, looking to, to quote, cash out twice. <laughs> and I don't know if the money will go back to making the brand survive and thrive. I think it's more of a let's ride this out and see what happens <laughs> philosophy. Mm-hmm. And what would you say about the rumors about Amazon potentially purchasing some of Penny's real estate? I think it would be a brilliant move by Amazon to acquire some of their locations and Amazon Basics and Amazon Home and Amazon Wildly Prime could chop up the space and make uh, Amazon Go style retail normalized across things other than food. Mm, Amazon Go retail, you said normalized across other things than just food, which they've tested already. Shelba, do you think this is realistic? Do you think we might see Amazon stores popping up in the near future, even even with the pandemic? So um, Amazon has a very interesting play uh, in the apparel side, right? I mean, when they started off, they didn't really get the apparel, right? So you won't go to an Amazon to buy fashion. But uh, now with uh, you know them launching about 100 plus brands, still their private label play is something that really needs to be fixed. So uh, I would recommend, you know, if uh, just then real estate, uh, if they could even buy the entire know-how and the knowledge and what comes within from a JCPenney perspective, that would be more beneficial for them in, in cases of building that capability, building that network and building that ability to really have the merchandise which is relevant. And Amazon brings uh, with the power of customer insights and power of delivery and others, which could make a powerful combination if they want to you know, strengthen their uh, fashion or the apparel capability. Mm-hmm. And they certainly have the capital to test it, even though I know their bottom line in recent months hasn't been great, according to um, their recent investor discussion. But before we dive into our next segment, let's hear some good news. Popeye's China is opening its first location in Shanghai. Within the next 10 years, it aims to open more than 1,500 locations across the country. Since the launch of COVID-19 supplies on March 31st, Amazon Business has delivered over 100 million essential health and safety products to tens of thousands of locations across the U.S., including pandemic hotspots like New York City and rural counties not served by traditional suppliers. Nike announced last week that 100% of Nike-owned stores and over 95% of partner stores in greater China and South Korea have reopened. Traffic is still off on a year-to-year basis, but that has been offset by a strong e-commerce performance. The next thing I want to jump to is the store experience because stores are reopening. And as you know, customers are returning back to their favorite stores to shop for clothing and other non-essential products, we see retailers like Nordstrom, Best Buy, Macy's, Kohl's, and Gap stores, including Banana Republic and Athletica, among retailers that started to welcome back customers in phased rollouts. And the experience will be different. There's limited fitting rooms, With some retailers such as Gap, they're closing fitting rooms altogether. Nordstrom will have a handful of available fitting rooms, which they sanitize after every guest, and unpurchased merchandise will be quarantined before returning to the sales floor. 
Retailers are also shifting to contactless payment options and will not accept cash, especially Nordstrom specifically. And at Ulta, Macy's and Nordstrom, their styling services are limited. Beauty products are not available for testing in store. And if we look over to the UK, Prime Minister Boris Johnson said that depending on the rate of the coronavirus infection among the population, shops could start opening in England on June 1st. So David, I'll pass this to you. How long do you think these precautions will last? Do you think they'll hinder the in-store experience for customers? I do think they will last at a minimum through the remainder of 2020. I think there's just not enough information in place, not having a cure for the virus or um, have the, having that covered off in all of the news media and the concern around the potential of increased cases in the fall. I think that has people a little skittish. That said, I do think people are wanting to go back out and experiment. So I do think that there will be some traction and some trial, but I, I predict that because of the social distancing and the limited things that is going to feel really different. And the retailers that get it right will have uh, been able to create some sort of magical experience and then the rest will struggle to keep up. Mm -hmm. So you said at least through the end of 2020, and yes, it will hinder the experience and some will stand out uh, versus others. Shalpa, what's your take? From a pandemic perspective, I mean, everybody's uh, guess, I mean, everybody's guessing till the vaccine comes uh, you know, it was uh, something which is uh, going to kind of stay and then we need to find various ways to distant us uh, ourselves physically or looking at wearing masks or other things. So having said that, the experience in the store will be definitely completely different. Just as with the store opens, uh, obviously there will be a big surge uh, in, you know, just buying, especially from a fashion or an apparel perspective. I mean, like personally, I've been also like, you know, just wearing a new dress would be like just so much uh, refreshing and rejuvenating. So you would see definitely that kind of uh, surge. But then again, as you rightly said, right, you don't want to uh, try on something which somebody else has tried on and you get a little skeptical. And if you have seen somebody like closely going through the disease, then you really kind of care and you're really kind of scared about it. So I think there will be a surge in online and uh, retailers need to kind of identify ways on how they kind of uh, to manage the returns. And there are ways in which uh, retailers can really change that experience. So uh, there are uh, technologies uh, which uh, have been under test with many retailers, but they have not been really adopted at a huge scale because there was never such a pressure to do that. And everybody thought that, you know, apparel is always look, feel and touch, feel and others. But today, even on the sourcing side, when the buyers are actually communicating with their vendors, because of the whole travel restriction and everything happening in a different way. Right. They are doing this uh, through video calls. They are doing this through 3D software, which can emulate how it would fit on somebody. So there are already uh, you know, models which are available, which uh, take into account like over 56 measuring points in a body. And wow. then, yeah, so you could, uh, you know, know how a particular cloth would kind of fit and a particular piece of apparel would fit and how it would fall based on the cloth that you have and then the composition in terms of polyester versus cotton. So I think uh, it is just about time when this gets extended to the customer where you do a virtual try-on, which is not just like pasting clothes on you, but it would actually tell, will it fit on you? 
and based on your changing profile right i mean like we've been all eating a lot during this pandemic so <laughs> <laughs> and i like that you brought that up shalpa because shop talk just last week had a, a virtual conference for retailers and they did a live poll and actually uh, ar augmented reality for product testing was something over 1 in 10 retailers said that they're considering investing in but I know the technology has been somewhat far out. So David, are you seeing the same thing from, from your retail clients as Shelp was mentioning? It's a very interesting topic. I think that people are, are working hard to try to figure it out. And those who are poised to invest are, are going to do better. It makes me have a question for Shilpa, though, which is related to um, predicting what, what might happen in fashion. Do you believe, based on fitting via augmented reality and the, I think it was 56 points on the body that fashion designers will be inspired to change the way clothing fits and how it drapes in order to accommodate a um, much less articulate trying on experience. Absolutely. I mean, depending on how long uh, it takes to kind of, you know, uh, just get things to the back to normal or new normal, the trends uh, in which, uh, you know, the people would exhibit would also change. Like, for example, how would the going out or the eating out would change? And if uh, most people are going to work from home, they would need uh, more of their PJs than, you know, like a elegant dress. So it depends on, uh, you know, how this kind of pans out. And because now it is uh, most people kind of locked at home, they're getting more used to like more comfortable clothing. So uh, I think at least now we'll see a trend on having more comfort clothing. And that kind of brings in saying that, you know, having more generic fits rather than like, you know, tightly fitted and to the shape fitted kind of clothes. So, I mean, designers could definitely uh, take on that. The other thing, uh, just to add to it uh, from a styling perspective, because finally what fits is what gets, I mean, like it fits when it's styled uh, well. So even you can have like a loose clothing, which will uh, really look very stylish and, you know, just augment your shape. So I think this will also uh, see a rise on more of the personal stylist. And these are opportunities for stores to kind of have more of these on a video con basis and others. So where uh, mm -hmm. you could see an emergence of uh, a new profession or, you know, even uh, having more one-on-one -on -one kind of a styling session. Because today, uh, even, uh, you know, during the lockdown, we've seen like a lot of models getting shot over uh, remotely. What stops from like, you know, getting a personal stylist, uh, you know, suggesting on, you know, how you could drape the dress or how you could, uh, you know, use the accessories to make a, you know, a generic, um, not so fitted dress uh, fit you and, you know, make you look good. Mm -hmm. Great points, Shilpan, David. I really like the positive outlook that this could even open a new, new job opportunities for retailers who might be hiring more stylists to host those virtual clienteling opportunities. So the third topic we'll jump into is about small business, because we know small business has especially been impacted during this pandemic, and even more so for retailers who are in that small business arena. And a new survey was conducted by Facebook, and it found that one in three small businesses shut down due to COVID-19, and they don't expect to reopen. So that's pretty significant. And those findings were echoed by CNBC's Jim Cramer when he said last week that governments forcing some retailers to close and others to stay open has damaged smaller businesses for the long term. 
His comments came on the heels of Walmart's first quarterly earnings reports, which showed its online sales rose 74% year over year. So that's huge. And same store sales increased by 10%. He said, quote, if you were Walmart, the thing you would most want to do is have the government shut down your competition. And that happened. And that was on uh, Squawk Box. So Shilpa, do you agree with Kramer when he says that the government has unfairly hurt smaller competitors? So uh, I would say every government uh, has its own set of things to take care of. And what we have seen is, uh, from a one perspective, I would say, is how do they manage and kind of limit the spread of the virus, right? So uh, when you are a Walmart, you have the muscle and the power to kind of incorporate all uh, or enough safety measures uh, within the store, which a small business may or may not have. And again, it depends on like, for example, uh, Walmart can easily, you know, create like one way aisle or, you know, have uh, uh, people kind of clean up the aisles uh, multiple times a day and incorporate a lot of those safety measures where the store associates are protected and others. But from a small business perspective or a small retail perspective, uh, many may or may not have that kind of an opportunity, scale or budgets to incorporate a lot of these things. So again, it comes back from a safety perspective, uh, how they are set up or how they are efficient. And I, I understand that, you know, it is sometimes for the government, it's like a broad brush because, uh, you know, many may say that, you know, we are set up differently, we, are, we can handle it. So it is, a, I think it was a discretion of every government to kind of uh, balance it out and, look at incentive uh, opportunities to boost up uh, some of these businesses, I would say. Mm-hmm. And David, what is what is your take? Is it come back to safety, like, like Shelpa said? Well, I think safety is really important. And I do think each government handles it differently. But I, as Shilpa was talking, I was thinking about a conversation I had last week with some economists and some people who sit uh, on the advisory team for the Federal Reserve, and they were talking about this exact topic. And what it came down to in their perspective was Walmart's infrastructure was able to handle the need of of humanity, basically, the, the crush of need and the shift. So infrastructure and being big enough to have invested wisely in all of that to be that choice. And while I run a small business, so I I feel for small business owners, what I learned during that conversation last week was that there is a cycle to small business. Every eight years, many, many, many of them, I cannot remember the statistic, but it was well over 50% of them cycle through and they fail or they evolve or they become something else. And that is because big systems exist for safety and security and predictability, aka Walmart, and you could go to them and they had infrastructure and supply chain knocked so that they could have their online system rise by 74%. Small business doesn't do that. And when we have the safety and security of Walmart being there, and we can also have the safety and security of being able to go out and hang out with one another or buy a dress off a rack or eat at a restaurant, we want something hipper and more entrepreneurial and less big system and that is where small business and entrepreneurial and new ideas come in. And it's that tension of big system, entrepreneurial, 
cross-cutting through it to make something different and new and shiny and interesting for humans. I think that, that that's always going to happen. And the data that I learned on the call was that it, it does happen on an eight-year cycle and has for over 100 years. So this happens to be timed with it. So it seems triply bad mm. because everyone's captured. But this also happened in 2008 to 2010. And more businesses, small businesses came out new businesses came out swinging and created interesting, better financial security for entrepreneurs. It made entrepreneurship actually cool and avant-garde to this generation. Mm -hmm. I love that perspective because it's, it's an interesting one. It's almost like there's a double whammy. I mean, not only do we have the pandemic, but then these natural cycles of change and evolution for small businesses that you mentioned. When we talk about entrepreneurial behavior, we saw that in the 2008 recession where, like you said, a lot of interesting companies formed. And I know that Shilpa and David, we said that AR is something that might evolve rapidly because of this. Are there other technologies specific to retail that you guys really have your eye on right now? I think a uh, lot of uh, in terms of uh, IoT, in terms of uh, you know tracking uh, from a supply chain perspective, uh, tracking from a traceability perspective and ensuring uh, that you're getting the right products and tracking them through the life cycle. Also, uh, from a blockchain perspective, ensuring that it is the right source and it is, uh, you know, curated in the right environment and right safety measures are followed through. So that is another one. I think AI has been a trend uh, for a long time now. And we see more and more, uh, you know, focus on that in terms of how do you kind of really look at the data and how do you kind of uh, derive insights in terms of what should be my next strategy, be it in terms of uh, merchandising, be it in terms of supply chain, or be it in terms of how do I kind of manage my stores better? Or how do I ensure safety better? Also from a supply chain perspective, how do I have the capability to you know, simulate uh, things uh, in terms of what will happen if any disruption happens or what has happened when I go more local? and uh, you know cut off threads with some of the other vendors so how does it impact my overall supply chain what is going to happen at you know different nodes will i operate my dc differently uh, how do i get micro with my supply chain so a lot of those kind of trends are also something that we continue to see like you know cloud and others which are uh, again other trends the pre covid world will uh, see a lot of significance in the post covid world where uh, retailers are trying to reduce cost and, you know, being more agile and having uh, to work remotely, work from home. So a lot of those kind of will uh, emerge. And then, uh, as you said, like AR and video and anything which would uh, help connect uh, with each other in a better way is something that we will see getting forward. Also, this could also uh, see an increase in things like 3D printing 3D sampling because uh, not all buyers are able to travel and see the products themselves. So how can they, you know, get it printed with the design sent and uh, then they can place their orders. So a lot of such mm -hmm. uh, technologies we are seeing. Certainly, I really like the idea of, of 3D printing uh, samples and 3D buying. And then you mentioned AI, blockchain, especially micro fulfillment for supply chains. We're hearing a lot about that. David, is there anything from your clients that, that's top of mind that you've been hearing? Uh, not to that same level, but as Shippel was talking, I 
I had this vision in my head of my trunk club stylist being able to send me things via a 3D printer. And that seemed like, okay, that would be an amazing outcome of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. So personalized to your exact measurements. Yeah. Right. I could see that. That It might be hard to scale first, but eventually. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, thank you both. Great comments. Shilpa, David, I really enjoyed hearing your insights today. I know you guys are always involved in retail um, in your daily lives, so it's good to get these fresh perspectives. Thank you so much uh, for having uh, us here, and it was really interesting. We loved the questions, uh, and this was really interesting, both uh, both of you, and really enjoyed this. Yeah, I I did as well. It was great to have uh, such well-prepared thoughts. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. That's this week's Retail Rundown. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.